When my book, 101 Ways to Help Birds, was published in 2006, a few conservation biologists dismissed it out of hand, and some even disparaged it. The book focuses on a great many reasons why so many birds are declining, including cat predation, collisions with windows, transmission lines, and communications towers, pesticides, habitat degradation and loss on breeding grounds, migration stops, and wintering areas, fossil fuel extraction and consumption, driving too fast, wasting fuel, as well as increasing wildlife collisions, and much more. Some scientists said I should have focused on the one root cause of bird declines, loss of habitat. The book includes a lot of information about how much habitat we've damaged or lost from development, agricultural practices, beef production, and more. But these researchers, whose own work was so centrally focused on how enormously habitat loss had figured in bird declines, lost sight of the many other issues contributing to bird declines. Generational amnesia is a huge problem in bird conservation because wildlife biologists, like everybody else, can't help but use their personal awareness of wildlife abundance at the start of their careers as their benchmark for normal, which becomes the standard target they'll use throughout their careers for managing numbers. Over decades, as populations shrink, so do management goals that should be working toward more robust populations. Restoring bird populations to healthy, sustainable levels is also hampered by the tendency of scientists and research institutions to keep a laser focus on their own work and their own methods, losing sight of a lot of other important information. When someone conducts a study that challenges or outright contradicts something that had long been believed to be true, the scientific approach is first to carefully test the new findings to see if they can be replicated. If new information proves valid, scientists from both ends should work out ways to integrate the new findings with the already established body of information to make solid advances and and reset priorities when necessary. Tragically, the first response for mainstream scientists is often to dismiss someone else's new discoveries or methodologies out of hand, and scientists making a new discovery often disparage what they think is old-fashioned or even obsolete. Either way, bird conservation suffers, delaying acceptance of extremely important new work for years or decades while giving fuel to opponents of conservation legislation and regulations whose goal is to make the public question the validity of even the most important conservation policies. All the while, bird numbers continue to dwindle. Restoring populations for any vulnerable species is extremely complicated, often requiring several different approaches at the same time. Knowing habitat requirements throughout the year is essential, but so is a thorough understanding of all the various causes of mortality and the relative magnitude of each for each species. 
Restoring bird populations is in many ways like human medicine. When I had breast cancer, I consulted with an oncologist, radiologist, surgeon, genetic specialist, and my family doctor to develop a course of treatment. I'd had a heart attack two years before, so hormone treatments for me would be riskier than average, and DNA tests revealed a mutation that made radiation riskier. Balancing the relative risks and benefits was complicated but essential for a healthy outcome. In the same way, individual bird populations often have complicating factors that make multiple approaches and cooperation among various experts essential. Next time, I'll talk about one complicating factor that turns quality habitat into a problem and why habitat specialists must look at the bigger picture and cooperate with one another if they really want to help birds. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.